0: Okay,
1: NFL trade deadline today, 4 p.m. What will the Bucks do? If anything, I imagine that Jason Light has been on the phone for the past couple weeks. And my prediction, guaranteed to come true, I don't think the Bucs make a deal. And the reason is, is there's several of them, actually. Look, the biggest need they have now is going to be for an outside linebacker, in my opinion. Yes, the offensive line is bad. Yes, they could use a tight end. All those things are still in play. But when you lose a Shaq Barrett, and listen, nothing against the guys that will be sort of rotating and job-sharing with them. I wrote a story about that in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Anthony Nelson, obviously Carl Nassib, who's on his second stint here. Both those guys have had terrific bouts of productivity given the number of snaps they've had. I think you know, last year, I want to say that Nelson had five sacks and he only played 31%, a third of the defensive snaps. So if you figure a guy has five snaps, if he played most of the plays, he could have a 15-sack sack year, right? Although a lot of it depends on, you know, is it garbage time or the way ahead, that sort of thing. So you have Nelson and then you have Carl Nassib In between them, they have a total of four sacks this year. Nassib back in two thousand. 18 and 19 when he first got here his first stint with the Bucks, he had 12 and a half sacks in those two seasons so he's had success in this defense and everything else and so I think you know those are but those are guys right they're, those are and they're going to get their opportunity and so was Shaq Barrett by the way I mean Shaq Barrett is almost exactly what Anthony Nelson is now when he was in Denver for five years he played behind a lot of great players Von Miller Marcus Ware eventually Bradley Chubb and so he he signed his one-year make it contract with the bucks and that was back in 2019 and that's when he came out and you know shocked the world and had 19 and a half sacks and was a Pro Bowl player and then got franchised was going to get franchised again and signed a huge contract and so this is sort of the path if you think about Nelson and you think about especially Nelson but but also to some degree um, anybody that's been behind guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, right, um, Shaq Barrett, you're behind those elite-type pass rushers. And for that matter, you know, they draft in the first round Joe Tryon Shawinka. So if you're behind a guy with pedigree that's a first-round pick, guys that are all pros and leading the league in, in in sacks, it's very hard to get in there, right? And so Nelson will be put in that in that mix and – you know he's going to approach it the same way. You know, to him he says it's not about, you know, the the number of reps. It's about what you do with them, and and so he'll he'll continue to approach it that way. But the trade deadline offers some some relief if you if you are willing to part with what is just going to be a king's ransom, right? I think I think Denver is considering trading Bradley Chubb, who was a top five overall pick uh, several years ago. Um they don't want to do it. It's not like, you know, it's kind of like I don't want to sell my house, right? But if somebody comes to my door in the next couple hours or a couple days and says I'm going to give you $1.25 million, which is like crazy over over what it's worth, I'd say, yeah, you know, we're moving. And I think that's that way with, with sort of like the trade deadline with some of these guys. The Bucks could absolutely thrive if they had a Bradley Chubb who's having a really good season and put him in there and put him opposite you know, kind of what you have left in Joe Tryon, and he, and you pick it up right where you left off from Shaq Barrett. The problem is a couple things. One, he's in the final year of his deal, so you'd want to sign him to an extension. And I'm not sure the Broncos want to trade him, but if they are going to trade him, it's going to cost you a first round pick and then some. Um, so, are you willing to 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 give up draft capital for future years, especially if maybe this season, you know, right now, Steve, they would pick. I think the Bucks would pick seventh. In the draft right now, that's that's where they're at from a you know at three and five. Wow, yeah, and that's crazy. And there's a lot of three and five teams. There's a lot of teams in the NFC that aren't very good. In a quarterback heavy draft, you could get a in a quarterback a heavy stud. draft. Yeah. So, do you want to give up this year, next year's first round pick when you might not have a very good record? Now that said, don't you have a responsibility with you know Tom Brady in in what is likely his final year? Um, to try to go for it, even at three and five, because three and five, you're one game out of first place with the Atlanta Falcons. So you know, and, and and it always takes two to tango. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's like you may want to trade for a guy, you may be willing to give up a certain amount of capital, but until that other team is willing to part with him, and I don't, I don't really think the Broncos want to, because then even if they acquire draft picks and they gave up a bunch for Russell Wilson, so this would be their opportunity to get something back. But then they're going to have to replace the guy they just got rid of. And <laughs> It's not easy to do. Quarterbacks and edge rushers, man, I'm here to tell you, they They don't grow on trees. So it's an interesting kind of dilemma. Um, I personally would say nothing will happen. And kind of the reason I think that is it's starting to kind of like seep out in the national media. When you start hearing some of the, quote, insiders report that, yeah, you know, the Bucs are looking around, but they probably stand pat because they feel like, they got a bunch of injured guys that are coming back, and that's kind of like, you know, hitting the trade market and in a way. You get you get your lineup fortified with a bunch of guys coming back from injury. That is clearly a discussion that somebody has had inside that building with one of those folks in Rappaport, Adam Schefter, whomever. Uh, and it just sounds to me like, you know, they're they're putting their stock in what they already have getting healthy. And and to be honest, some of that's valid because. You know, Antoine Winfield Jr. is supposed to come out of concussion protocol. Carlton Davis is probably going to be back this week. Akeem Hicks was close last week, so he's almost certainly going to make it back, you know, this, this Sunday. So I, I think there's some merit to that and also some wisdom to it. But, you're, you know, football is going to happen. You're going to have more injuries. you have more guys get hurt as the year goes on. So I don't know what they'll do. But to me, tight end position, they could certainly help themselves there. Um, I like Kate Otten. He's not a very good blocker yet. Uh, Cam Brate is obviously had a ton of injuries. I don't know what the prognosis is on him. If he's going to play at all ever again, I don't know, you know, concussions, strained neck, like all those things. And so you could use that. And certainly, you know, if there was an offensive lineman that had played, that was an upgrade, you would get him too. Um, but those guys, you know, usually aren't hanging around either. So, We'll see what they do. I, my my guess is they do nothing. There's not going to be that many trades. Roquan Smith went to the Ravens. That was a big deal, uh, you know, and from the Bears, so that was huge. So there might be a couple. And the other thing is, like, what happens to a guy like Odell Beckham, who is not a trade but a free agent? You know, and some teams looking for receivers might say to Odell, "Hey, make a decision, because otherwise, we're gonna have to give up real draft capital to get another receiver." And if you're just kind of like undecided like could you kind of hurry it up because we need we need this decision by 4 p.m tuesday so you might see you might see odell beckham jr move somewhere and i don't think it'll be here uh don't feel any momentum for that but you don't know so it'll be an interesting day i just i'm not sure that we'll have a whole lot to report but make sure you keep it on Tampa bay.com Tampa Bay times uh for your latest we got a bunch of mailbag questions some good stuff we're gonna get to those right away But first, I want to tell you guys how to save some money on your electric bill. May Electric Solar. That's right. It's a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for a dozen years. There's all these fly-by-night companies. I'm sure they knock on your door. But May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Anything goes wrong for 30 years, they're coming back. They're going to fix it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection, For all your appliances, right there is what is the May way. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products that conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, and this is important, they don't use subcontractors. Those are Billy May's guys up there on the roof. You know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving the day. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and of your appliances through every storm season. That's May Electric Solar at seven two seven eight one nine right, we got some mailbag questions. Let's get to them. All right, Tom
2: had emailed you. He said, watching the Bucks play, it looks like their offense and defense are lacking timing, rhythm, and execution. Isn't this what the preseason is for, to iron these things out?
1: Yeah, it is. You know, the preseason used to be exactly that, and, and it's become something far different. Um, first of all, there's only three games when there were four. I think most teams and it's, it's a consensus league. And what I mean by that is like, if one team does something and another team does follow suit, then pretty soon you have all 32 kind of falling in line. Like, yeah, you know what? That's the smart thing to do. So when it was four games, your first game, your starters would start and they may play a series, right? Depending on how it goes, not looking to keep them in there for any, any length of time at all. You get them in, everybody says, Oh, He's all Tom Brady, and then you get him out, right? And you hope that you don't have a sack, fumble, or a broken tibia or something like that in the time that he's there. And then the second preseason game kind of the same, not a whole lot different. Maybe, maybe a series or two, maybe a maybe a quarter. It just depends on how things go. You know, if if the pocket's clean, if they're moving the ball, that sort of thing. You you maybe get an extended look at your offense. Game three was always the one where. You know they, they played the whole game, and they came back after halftime because you can't simulate going into the locker room, being cold, coming back out and playing, and so that's what they would do in week three. And then week four, nobody played that was mostly going to make the team where that was a starter at all. Now, the way it is with just three preseason games, there's more value, they think, in the joint practices. We saw those last year with two teams, the Miami Dolphins and the Tennessee Titans. And what's, what's good about it is is that you can control sort of the situations. Like in the course of a game, in a preseason game, you may not get, you know, uh, red zone opportunities or many of them. You may not get goal line. You may not get third and one. You may not get coming out of your own end zone. Like there's certain drills that they can simulate sort of in, in, these, zone, in these practices um, that, you know, you're guaranteed to have them. Because they're scripted and in a game you gotta kinda go where the game takes you. So, you know, those have become popular, but the games themselves, look, Tom Brady took out for the first two. You know, he wasn't not only was he not at the game, he wasn't even in camp. So that that's how important they viewed these things. And I know he had personal issues and all that, we can address that in a minute. But at the end of the day, it's like where is your continuity coming from? Where is your rhythm coming from? And you know, there's there's practice speed um there's game speed there's preseason game speed and then there's regular season game speed and if you want to go through it yes there's playoff game speed and all of those are kind of ratcheted up a little bit so i think it probably did hurt them but they're not unlike any other team so what's the excuse that the buffalo bills have for example or the kansas city chiefs it really comes down to talent it comes down to scheme um everybody's kind of playing by the same rules, kind of doing the same thing. Uh, but I don't think you're doing teams a favor. And It might be why there's a lot of low-scoring games early in the season. It might be why scoring is down in general, is that some of these teams and coaches haven't spent much time with their players. Um, but I kind of liked it the old way. I mean, it's football, man. I man, I get it. You don't want to get guys hurt, but, like, that's what you're playing. It's a physical sport. And sort of what they're doing now is sort of babying their way through the preseason.
2: All right, Carl had uh, emailed you, or he may have tweeted. He said, uh, I totally agree with your attention to Devin White's lack of effort versus the Ravens. What is your feeling about Tom Brady shuffling slowly, head down, back onto the field for the last two fourth-quarter potential come from behind drives? It was a great contrast to his LFG pregame run-ons. Is this lack of enthusiastic leadership equally reprehensible?
1: Um, no, not equally, because I think – you know how you run into a huddle versus how you pursue a guy who's you know in a 10-10 game needs 9 yards for a first down and actually gets 13 because you've decided to take a sunday walk um i i don't think they are on the same level um i know it, you know a lot of people have been kind of reading Tom's body language and sort of you know looking at him and seeing where he's lost a lot of weight and you know he seems irritable easily and you know, the whole tablet thing, like we, we've seen that. And I think they they kind of draw conclusions with that, you know. Um, but Tom hasn't – I don't think Tom has played badly. I don't think he's – but I just don't think he's playing well. I don't think he trusts the, the protection. I mean, there's so many things um, that aren't going right with him. So I'm not giving him a hall pass, but – and I think some things have changed about the offense. There's just a lot going on there. You know, there's just a lot going on with Brady right now. And and let's see if his personal problems are gone. I mean, he's kind of talked about it a little bit on his Let's Go podcast, sort of what his focus is and how he compartmentalizes thing. And a lot of people have personal things, but... I don't equate in any way Brady versus Devin White. Devin White's lack of effort was just so obvious. And anybody on that team that watched that film should look at him with a side eye and go, really? Like, that's what we're getting from you? That's it? That's all you got? Um, So I I don't think they're really good comparisons, in my opinion. But it's not as if Brady has played great because he really hasn't. Although... Here we are, 45 years old, leads the NFL in passing yards. It's just incredible.
2: All right, it's a little bit of a long one, but Paul had emailed. He said, offense, it's definitely the Jimmys and the Joes for the Bucks' issues on offense and defense. Number one, Tom Brady, is on the divorce diet, has a shoulder and a finger issue. No Gronk receiving and blocking. blocking. No Ronald Jones for a breakaway run. No Julio Jones to replace Gronk's catches. No Marpet, no Jensen. Left tackle playing with one arm. Replacement offensive linemen were tackles in college. Free agent wide receivers and tight ends. Nothing burgers. LOL. On the defense, no Sue, who was never injured, replaced by an old injured player and Akeem Hicks. No JPP replaced by a rookie who only rushes the passer. Can't tackle anymore. Whitehead replaced by a good but old injured player. Underachieving young pass rusher missing all his gaps, Joe Try and Shawinka. Linebacker White, who has probably cost us two games with his boneheaded plays. Injuries to the secondary in general. Vita Vea can't beat double teams without Sue. And when Dean is your MVP, you got problems times 10. This fan base is totally spoiled right now and should just appreciate the Tom Brady-Bruce Arians ride and go ahead and hop off the bus, LOL.
1: Wow. <laughs> I mean, he may have answered that question 100% correctly himself. I, I don't know where to start there. That's a lot. That's a whole lot, man. Um, it is about the Jimmys and the Joes. It really is, and there's a lot of different Jimmys and quite a few Joes. Um, this is not the same football team, and it's hard to convince people of that. It really is because you see the core, right? You see Mike Evans. You see Chris Godwin. Brady is back. Fournette is back. Cameron Brait was back. you got some linemen that are back, and then you look on the other side of the ball and you go, you know what, the defense is mostly the same guys with the exception of Sue um, and a few others, but... And Sue is out of the league. But it really isn't like that. You know, it it really is a different year. And I think that's sort of what, you know, the question sort of infers or his statement, if you will. Look at all the changes. And Tom Brady mentioned this on his podcast the other night on Monday with Jim Gray. And he kind of said, you know, it's just – I get that. He says, you know, people remember two years ago, and we did. We won the Super Bowl. We had a very high standard. and Last year we made the playoffs. But those teams are drastically different than what we have now. And not in a good way. He didn't say this, but not in a good way, right? Like you have a bunch of young offensive linemen. You have a center that has never played center in the National Football League till this year and had never played at all in the National Football League until this year. Uh, you have a rookie guard for the most part of the season from Central Michigan that's just struggling like crazy, and you don't seem to want to get him any help. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of stuff going on, man. And I think he enumerated a bunch of it. You know, defensively, yeah, you lose the leadership of JPP. And Akeem Hicks can't stay healthy. And the one thing you say about Sue, although he's not playing anywhere, is that he never missed a game due to injury. Not one game. Um, so a lot of that stuff is true, but I don't think it's as bleak as they paint it. But it does... I think that the the statement or letter illustrates all the dynamics that are in play right now that they're trying to solve. They've got their fingers in a lot of leaks right now. And, you know, they were out there on Monday and we kind of, you know, we talked to a few guys like Anthony Nelson and they're like, look, you know, attitude is good. We're just trying to patch up the holes right now. Like there's a lot, there's a lot we need to fix. And sometimes that can be overwhelming if you try to do it all at once but this is a football team that has a lot of problems and i think i can't disagree with anything he pointed out here because it is kind of true you know when you lay out it when you lay it out like that you go yeah they're kind of dysfunctional they really don't they really don't have a, a, a you know sort of a program that can play together right now and you know so they they need to get guys healthy first you gotta get them back and gotta get them playing together for an extended period of time and then you can kind of evaluate it. But it is a mess, and that's a perfect example of it. All right, Jeff and Deneaton tweeted us. Said, hey Rick, is there something we're missing? Did Tom want
2: to trade? And they said no. What really went down with Bruce Arians? This just doesn't add up.
1: You know, it doesn't add up. It's never added up, and it'll probably never add up. But it happened and I think somewhere in there we'll figure out who the mama bear is. But right now, um, here's what we kind of know, okay? Going back to last January when he's preparing for the Eagles wildcard game, Tom Brady gets approached by one of his friends, one of his buddies, one of his corporate partners, if you will, Uh, Bruce Beal, who was a minority owner of the Miami Dolphins and also on the board of TB12. Now, this is before they play. I think, a playoff game um, against the Eagles and win it. And, you know, we now know because of the NFL sanctions against Miami that basically they were trying to find a way, and it was during the season, they called another team's player, which is tampering, to find a way to get Tom Brady down to Miami. And I think the idea was to pair him with Sean Payton, uh, which would have been tricky because you'd have had to give, you know, New Orleans a a lot of – draft compensation and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, he plays, Tom plays the season, they lose the Super Bowl, um, but this pursuit continues. It kind of hangs his career in limbo a little bit, uh, you know, and then I think his intention, in fact, I'm fairly sure, was was to go to Miami. I think he thought Sean Payton might be able to coach that team. It all kind of fell apart because Brian Flores, on the day he res- he retired, announces he was suing not just the Miami Dolphins but but the league itself. And you know kind of put the kibosh on things, man, because nobody has a clean house. And so he didn't want to go down there under that cloud and, and anyway, one thing led to another. And I don't know, it's a chicken in the egg thing. Like did he fly over, you know, to a an English game, you know, with the Bucks owners and man you to talk through all this stuff, did he order the code red? I don't. That's he wouldn't have done that per se, but I think I think Bruce was smart enough to recognize, or somebody made him aware that hey, we got a better chance of getting Tom Brady back if you are not the head coach, and so he was willing to do it. But man, this team is is nowhere near um, what it needs to be if they're going to talk about you know getting getting back to the Super Bowl and all that. It, it, they've got a lot of work to do and um you know not much time to do it so yeah it's it's just it's kind of a mess i mean that's that's really what happened and i and i i have asked a lot of people about you know was he pushed uh, you know it's not the code he didn't order the code red but like i still believe that that brady made it known he felt more comfortable with a more hands-on guy um maybe even a defensive guy you know somebody that was more parcels and Belichick oriented, and maybe he felt like he had all the answers to the test on offense. I don't know. But whatever it is, Bruce Aaron, you went from a guy that had like a seven percent winning percentage, um, to a guy who is, you know, well below that. Not quite half, but well below that in Todd Bowles. Does that sound like a smart decision to you? I just I, I see Bruce out there and he's rolling around the golf cart, um, and you're just kind of wondering like Could he have coached again, you know, Um, especially with both coordinators back and all of that? Doesn't matter now because as Todd Bowles has said, this is my team now and I don't consult with the other guy and all that stuff. Um, But it's certainly not started well. I can tell you that. And I I think Brady, if he didn't, you know, again, he didn't have his hands on the trigger, but he made it known, I think, sort of what he was comfortable with doing after everything else fell apart. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: All right, Steve tweeted us. He said, if the Bucks continue to have a bad season and don't turn things around, what are the chances that Todd Bowles is fired at the end of the season? Could he be
1: done after one year? I mean, it doesn't happen much in this league. It's funny. It happened to Steve Wilkes in Arizona um, and you know, B.A. worked there and Todd worked there. And now Wilkes is the interim coach in Carolina. Damn near, damn near would have been in first place today if Eddie Pinero could make a kick. Um, and so that's a credit. That's a credit to him. Anyone can be fired in this league for anything at any time. And, and if I'm if I'm, sort of Todd Bowles, this is about as worse of a thing that can happen is you jump out 2-0. And you beat the Dallas Cowboys and your nemesis, the New Orleans Saints, and kind of look good doing it. Not perfect, but good. And so now everybody has you in the power rankings as a top team in the NFC. But the fact of the matter was, you weren't very good then, and you sure aren't very good now. So, you know, it's difficult. What? Let's play this out. Let's say Brady has his first losing season of his career, and let's say it's not a Good year, or like it's a worse than good year. What if he wins five or five or six games next season? You are not going to have Tom Brady in no all likelihood. You are going to have a young quarterback that's unproven, either in Kyle Trask or a guy like Blaine Gabbert, this kind of a bridge guy. You are probably going to finish low enough to maybe draft a guy. I am not sure about that. Um, but how do you sell it? How do you sell Todd Bowles' year two? No, we got this. It's going to be him and Kyle Trask. And we're we're plowing ahead forward. Like, I think that's a tough sell, man. And I don't want anybody's job and I don't want I don't think it's fair for anybody to be one and done. Um, but that's the business that you know that Bulls was thrust in. Like, it wasn't even about, hey, go out there and give it hell and have a winning season or maybe you make the playoffs and go deep. No, it was Super Bowl or whatever. And that's still where they're kind of at, man. So I'm not in the prediction business with respect to coaches. I don't want to put thoughts in people's heads. Um, I think it would be brutally unfair to do it, but could it happen? Absolutely it could happen. And a lot of it depends on who are they, who are they trying to replace the coach with. You know, it sounds great until you don't have a candidate, and they've kind of been down this road a couple of times and left at the altar. So before you pull the trigger, you better have a, a really good idea of who's taking over.
2: All right, go tweeted us. He says on a fifty-three man NFL roster, why are teams only allowed to dress forty-six on game day? If all fifty-three on the active roster are getting paid their salaries, why wouldn't all fifty three dress?
1: Well, it's a it's a great question, and this is something that's collectively bargained by the NFL and the players association. Um I'm not sure why they came up with this number. You know, if you start doing the math and you say we well, got twelve on offense, twelve on defense you know, three specialists, uh, two or three quarterbacks, I and mean, where, where does that leave you, right? Like you're already um, got most of your team accounted for. So I don't have a great answer. I don't know why the number is 53 um, and 47 can dress like that's kind of the way it's been, and they're, they're sticking to it. They changed the rules on the practice squad. They've changed how you can bring guys in and out off of that, even veteran players. Um but that's about it. They haven't changed the number of the roster. And you know, I'm sure there's some financial reasons for that as well. Owners want to be uniform in how many players are on each roster and what they get paid, and there's you know, like I said, it's collectively bargained. So you have a rookie salary cap or rookie salary pool, you have salary cap. There's just a lot that goes into that number. But it's tough. I think people what people don't realize is that if you think about who dresses on Sunday is only 40, what, 46, 47, you know, three of those guys are specialists, you know, your kicker, your long snapper and your punter. Um, and, and then you start going around and you go, well, we got one backup quarterback because now we're down four players and we got a backup, you know, swing tackle. And so that's five. And then, you know, you get to a big number before very long, you know, you really do. And so, You need all of those 46 guys, even though it seems like a lot it's not. But I don't have a great answer. I know that they're, you know, able to put veterans on the practice squad, and that's one salary scale versus a guy that's actually on your roster that gets paid for the week. Um, So some of it might be financial. But that's that's just a collectively bargain number that they feel they need to have to play a, a pro football game.
2: All right, we'll end today on this one, and it's a hockey question we were emailed about a week or two ago from PJ. It says, I see Stammer just joined the top 50 all-time scorers with number 485 against the Flyers a couple weeks ago. Only three active players currently in the top 50, Ovechkin and Sid Crosby, the others. Possibly breaking in the top 40 if he gets 30 or more goals this season. Have we been spoiled? We may not see another like him for generations.
1: Yeah, I think we have been spoiled, absolutely. I mean, this guy... You know, he scored 60 goals one year, man. He's one of the most lethal power play um, goal scorers in NHL history. Like, you know, it's the old song, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. That's kind of the way it goes with Stamkos, I I fear. Like, you know, his personality is such. He's not overbearing. He's not flamboyant, all those things kind of workmanlike. But, man, um, you know.
2: I think he's the second best shooter of this
1: generation. I think you're right. Behind Ovechkin. That's that would be it, right? Does he how many other than Ovechkin are there are the, that many players that have more power play goals than he does? I mean, percentage-wise it's got to be huge.
2: Yeah, I mean I have to go look it up. I mean, Dave Anderchuk had the most power play goals. A lot of people scored recently. more goals. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I mean, it's just a pure shooter. And, and there's other parts of his game. He's a sniper. And what he's improved on in the recent years too, I think is incredible how Face-offs, he's gotten so much better on, and mm-hmm. and even defensive responsibilities. He'll play such.
1: a little defense, yeah.
2: But his shot, I mean, of this generation, I mean, only Ovechkin you would put above him.
1: Well, sounds that sounds about right shot. to me. I meet.
2: mean, that's that's you know, in, in sixty goals, how many? You know, uh Austin Matthews got sixty goals last season. It's the first time since Stamkos did it ten years ago.
1: Think about that. That's crazy. It doesn't man. happen often. Yeah. Yeah, and he's off to a really big start this year and you know, made it through an entire season a year ago, which knock on wood that continues, but I mean he's a he's a Hall of Fame player at this point, I mm-hmm. think. I mean I think two time captain of a Stanley Cup team. Yeah. I mean he's he's done and you know, with the with the points and everything he's mm-hmm. done in his career. He's gonna get to five hundred goals
2: this year, most likely.
1: Which is cool. Mm-hmm. Cool as hell. Gonna be in the ring of honor, all that stuff. I'm looking forward to that. And and plus he did it the right way. You know, he battled man through some injuries mm-hmm. he lost years of his career where he wasn't able to get on the ice mm-hmm. you know and had horrible things happen to him and his family um they lost a child and you know during COVID, on there's I mean, so much stuff that he's had to endure and still um enjoys playing for this franchise like and you can see it you can see what the fans mean to him you can see what it means to him to be you know sort of the captain of this group and
2: well, you can see how his teammates respect him
1: yeah Oh yeah, as a captain, totally.
2: Yeah, you know, as totally. a teammate, a friend, a captain, you see that mm-hmm. respect from that room.
1: Yeah, I mean they really do. They 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 look up to him, and they're excited when he does something good. And yeah, you got to have that that veteran presence, and not just that, but a guy that's you know of his caliber, which is rare to begin with. But I mean, you just yeah. think
2: think, on uh, this Lightning team, and it starts with Stamkos. Mm -hmm. But think how many potential Hall of Famers are on this team.
1: Well, you got got him, you got Hedman, you got Veselovsky. Kucherov is certainly a candidate. Um, Beyond that, I mean, do we think Braden Point's going to ascend to that level? Maybe. Maybe.
2: I mean, you know, I I think there's a a chance of that. Right. You know, could, you know, McDonough probably not. I mean, he's not on the team now, but he's a big part. I mean, you know, you start looking at some of the numbers and never miss the playoffs, and 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 where he's in block shots and stuff, but he doesn't score enough necessarily, so he probably wouldn't be in the hall. But
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: it's going to be you know the lightning have announced that there's going to have a you know kind of a anniversary ring of honor type thing starting this year, and, and the details are coming later this year. But in, in a few years or you know ten years from now, it's going to be amazing how many players from this team are going to be in that thing.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot. I mean, you know,
2: all those players we named, then you start adding in the uh, Andre Palats and the Tyler Johnsons and the, you you know, the Sergachevs and, Mm -hmm. I mean, all these players. You you just start going through the list of top-notch players this organization has had for years now.
1: It's incredible. And a bunch of them have a lot of years in front of them, too. You don't know Mm -hmm. what they're going to become.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, this year you're looking forward to see what steps Sergeyev takes. Absolutely. You know, without McDonough there. What steps Sorelli continues to make once he gets back from injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully in, in, you know, December at this point, I believe. Maybe even late November. Right. Yeah, but, you, you know, you're, this team's going to go as far as some of these young players makes it How, how much does Ross Colton continue to improve? Yeah, absolutely, We've seen Brendan Hagel's gotten off to a good start. Yes, he has. You know how how does Nick Paul do? I mean, as as these players, as the younger players on this team, their growth and development is going to determine how far this Lightning team can go into the next playoffs. Assuming they make the playoffs, of course, but how far they go will determine how these young players, because they've had to lose guys like Andre Palat, like Ryan yeah. McDonough, and years past Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow and. They got to step you know, up. It's yeah. it takes young guys to step up, and and you know we've talked a lot about the Bucks. You know, no Indomik and Sue. So how is Vita Vea stepping up now? No right. JPP. How are some of the other young de- defensive Trion, linemen yeah. stepping mm-hmm. up? I mean, you know, in, in a salary cap world, and when you yeah, have man. success as a team, the Bucks did win a Super Bowl two years ago. Mm-hmm. People players want to get paid. You yeah. have a lot of good players on your team, and so how do young players step up? And, and produce? How do all the young tight ends continue to progress for the Bucks? You know, it's the same for the Lightning, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you can see it with some of the young guys. They're still struggling, but they're getting better. But are they getting better fast enough? Like Kate Otten, you know, has done some nice things in the past game, Coquie blocking, mm-hmm. but they're not quite there, you know, and, and they still are a liability sometimes And when they're lining up against defensive ends and they're supposed to block them. So, yeah, it's uh, – But but – you do, see, you do see some promising young rookies, and, and you just hope that, you know, develop them. Draft and develop is the key to a lot of sports, especially in the salary cap area, because you just can't hold on to everybody as they get up there in, um, in salary. Great questions today. Um, well, we got more of them left over. We'll do this from time to time, uh, but you don't have to wait for a mailbag call. You can just send them to us on Twitter, at SportsDayTV. Um, I'm on Twitter, at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, just a reminder that uh, May Electric Solar, we want you to support these folks. They support us. They've been in business 12 years. Get this, 30-year labor and services warranty. They'll come out and fix anything that goes wrong for 30 years. $750 worth of surge protection for your appliances. Um, you need to start calling on my friend Billy May and his crew today. They are at May Electric Solar, 7278 Nine two eight six two. that's 727-819-2862, schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, May Electric Solar. Thanks for listening, for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud the Tampa Bay Times, have a great day everybody.